All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, 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 it's the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Tuesday, February 15th. Mike McKenna, how was your Valentine's Day? Oh, it's low key, dude. <laughs> we, uh, you know, the kids had skating lessons and picked You're not up a romantic? dinner on the way. Not this. We punted, Frank. It's going to happen Friday. Got dinner reservations Friday. We looked at it pragmatically and decided we're going to find a time we can have it to ourselves. So we just delayed. That's, How about yours? That's just what parents do. I mean, Valentine's Day, got my daughter flowers. Like it's, you know, it's about, uh, you know, it's about the family, not necessarily just about you and your wife anymore. So there you go. Yeah. Kids take precedence now, man. They got to be on the ice. We can't miss that. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. We have same thing. Gymnastics, hockey, everything is happening. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. A lot to get to in the hockey world, starting with pretty big trade yesterday between the Calgary Flames and the Montreal Canadiens, sending Tyler Toffoli across Canada. The return is pretty good for the Montreal Canadiens. They end up with a first round pick, a fifth round pick, as well as Tyler Pitlick and prospect Emil Heineman. So Mike, I ask you this, it's been fascinating to watch social media. The reaction has been very split. It's been polarizing. The Habs got a haul or the Flames, this was a steal. There doesn't really seem to be much middle ground. And for me, I take that as probably a pretty fair deal for both sides. I agree with you, Frank. I, realistically, I mean, this is the opening salvo of Kent Hughes, the new GM of the Montreal Canadiens, where he's cleaning house and he's stockpiling picks. And now the Canadians in, in this year's entry draft have 
12 picks throughout the throughout the rounds, a couple of first rounders now. I mean, this is a good deal for them to be able to also get a prospect in Heinemann that they want. Uh, so I think it's good for them. And I think it sets the mark now for what the market will be with Toffoli moving over to Calgary. And from Calgary's perspective, they've upgraded their lineup. I like Tyler Pitlick a lot, but I'm not sure why it hasn't really worked for me at two points this year. You inject Toffoli into that lineup in Calgary. It gives you weapons. It gives you dynamics. It's a player that can skate up and down the wing. And I think that he really to fully he's a proven scorer but i think he's more than that you know he kills penalties and he can fit on several different lines with the flames i also love the fact that he played for daryl sutter he's won a stanley cup with him previously and he has chemistry with Sean Monahan when they were Ottawa 67. So I think Toffoli probably slots into the second line as we see on our daily face-off chart here. But realistically, he may shift around. He might even find a home with Monahan. It gives variability to that team. He's a big pickup, proven scorer, and he just adds depth to that lineup in Calgary. Yeah, you mentioned proven And term score, on his I'd deal. Say- I forgot to mention term on his deal. That's important as well. It is. I would say proven scorer, but also proven winner. Stanley Cup in 2014, first year in Vancouver, win a couple rounds, one game short of the conference final. First year in Montreal, trip to the Stanley Cup final. So this is a guy that knows how to win. And you said upgrade. I think that was the key word here is because other than Tyler Pitlick, there's not Tyler Pitlick. I don't even know you could call him a significant part of the Calgary Flames lineup. They didn't have to pluck off a Backlund or or a Dylan Dubé or someone that really is of consequence to Calgary. And in addition to that, he's some insurance if Johnny Gaudreau ends up walking in free agency this summer. So seems to be a fit all the way around for the Calgary Flames, who, by the way, I I don't think are done. I think they're going to be poking around on a couple different things as we get closer to the deadline. Maybe a depth defenseman. It would be nice if Yusuf Alamaki could be their own addition on their back end coming up from the AHL, getting back to the level that he was at previous to his knee injury. So some other big news yesterday, Mike, in Vegas, and it's the news we were all waiting and expecting for Jack Eichel getting the promo shots done. He is ready to make his debut with the Vegas Golden Knights on Wednesday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Primetime popcorn opportunity, national television on TNT, pretty much everything you could want between Arguably, the two top teams in the Western Conference potentially could be set up for a Western Conference final showdown in the next number of months. And it's an Avs team that's rolling. It's Eichel, who, when you talk to players in the Vegas Golden Knights organization, has been doing things in practice that they've never seen before. So Eichel is ready to go. Mark Stone goes to LTIR. What do you think? What what kind of impact is Jack Eichel going to have on the Vegas Golden Knights? Not sure right off the bat, but Jack Eichel hasn't played meaningful games in almost a calendar season. And you have to wonder, especially going up against a team like Colorado that skates so well, they they pressure pucks. Like you're not top of the league if you're not able to create turnovers and be hard against the boards and win those battles. Eichel's really going to have to come out right off the bat on top of his game, ready to handle the physical element that's going to come along with playing against a team like Colorado. And you're not walking in and playing the Kraken. You're going into the deep end without water wings here if you're Jack Eichel. But he's ready for it. He's been building to this for a long time. The strange part is that he's not going to have Mark Stone on his right side. He's going to have Max Pacioretty on his left side most likely. They're slotting in Yevgeny Dodonov right now, but I think you could see a roving cast of characters on the right side playing with Eichel tomorrow night. Everyone from Smith, 
down to Nolan Patrick, Nick Waugh could all slot in on the right side at some point. But I'm really curious to see the effect Jack Eichel has on that power play in Vegas. To me, that's the defining factor of this move for the Golden Knights. It doesn't just give them depth down the middle. It does give them skating ability, but it gives them a weapon they haven't had an elite puck moving and a distributor and somebody who can finish on the power play, Frank. I want to see that against the Avalanche. But Eichel's going to have to skate. He's going to have to be physically involved. And those are two big tests for a player that hasn't done that in quite some time. Yeah, a fair point about the amount of time that he's missed. Um, I guess I have two questions. One, what are water wings? And two, you know, you seem a little bit more down on Eichel. I know you mentioned the reasons why he could get there, but you seem like you have some doubts as to whether he can do it quickly enough, I guess. Well, water wings, as you'd say, the water water wings are those things you put on your arms when you chuck a kid in the water for the first time and you hope they float when you're at the hotel. Oh, we call those floaties. Not a real life-saving device. Floaties, yeah, water wings. But, well, I'm only down because I've seen players come back from injury before, and sometimes it can take a little bit of time. Jack Eichel is a top 10 player in the league, in my eyes, when he's healthy and when he's played for a while. So we just don't know how that's going to factor, how it's going to mix. And it would make a lot of difference, I think, if he had Stone on his right side. Well said. Uh, Maybe they'll eventually have Stone back on his right side at some point. I don't know. Maybe in the playoffs. Let's talk about the the Toronto Maple Leafs who absolutely mauled the Seattle Kraken. Their first ever matchup between these two franchises in Seattle on Monday night. And a pretty significant milestone for Mitch Marner who hits 400 points. And this stat came at us today from Scott Maxwell who's a new contributor to DailyFaceOff.com. And he said, Mitch Marner gets his 400th career point in 391 games. He actually hit 401. And he said, for reference, Patrick Kane, who's probably considered the best playmaking winger in the game, needed 426 games to reach 400. And I think that kind of, that tweet kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit. You know, there's lots of talk, of course, about Mitch Marner, how well compensated he is. I don't think anyone would be asking the question, is Mitch Marner underrated or anything like that? Of course, that's not the case. Uh, He certainly has received the proper attention, but for whatever reason, it seems like his production always seems to be clouded in Toronto, you know, whether it's by the other players on his team or whether it's by the lack of playoff success that the Toronto Maple Leafs have had. I think that's a big factor of it is that no matter what you do in the regular season, especially in a market like Toronto, you're always going to be judged by the playoffs. And right now, everybody remembers that Mitch Marner is on an 18-game scoreless drought in playoffs, and he's had that. Well, it belies the fact that players do go on droughts. Marner started off this season really, really slowly. Well, guess what? He's right back at pace. Okay, his career pace has been over a point a game since his third-year pro. He's now a sixth-year player in the league. He's learning ways to perform and have fun and block out everything bad that's going on or everything that could be said about him. I'm very curious to see how playoffs can go this year for Mitch Marner because it feels like to me he's back in a mind frame where he's smiling. You saw it on Monday night against Seattle where he had a smile on his face and he does play defense. He kills penalties. He had a shorthanded assist to David Kampf last night where he drives in that and leaves a drop pass at the top of the goal crease, Frank. Like the confidence you need to have that on a kill and the communication with your teammates and feel for the game in the moment, really high. So, you know, second out of the 2015 draft, he's second only to Connor McDavid in points right now. I I can't help but think that Mitch Marner will be more successful in playoffs this year. It looks like it, but that's the ultimate litmus test for anybody in that market or around the NHL. 
Yeah, there's no question about that. And the Maple Leafs themselves get back on track after a couple losses uh, to start their road trip out west. So uh, Maple Leafs get back on track against the Seattle Kraken. And Mike, special day here, Tuesday, February 15th. Got to wish happy birthday to one of the goats, and that is Yarmer Yager. Celebrating his 50th birthday today, and Mike, I was covering Yarmer Yager back in 2012 when he made his return to uh, the NHL. 2011-12 was the season, and I can remember him saying that year, you know, the big question was, how long do you want to play? And he said, I want to play until I'm 50, and we all were kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, buddy, like, no chance. And here we are, he's 50 years old, now playing in his 34th season of professional hockey. Absolutely bananas. Uh, you look at his point total this year in the Czech Republic, 19 points in 30-some games, still producing, owns the team, Kladno uh, in the Czech Extra Liga, and just a guy that there's no quit. He's, he's going to play until he can't walk anymore. He just loves the game, man. He does. Like I remember when Chris Chelios was doing this and played until his mid-40s, and we're all thinking, how long can he last? Well, Chelios didn't own a team. And that helps an awful lot for Yarmir Yager back in the Czech Republic. He's also a national hero. But, you know, I remember when 1991, 92, I'm eight, nine years old. And here comes this guy into the league with the best curly mullet I've ever seen playing alongside Lemieux. So dynamic. And then 15 years later or whatever, I'm teammates with him with the Florida Panthers. And I can just remember looking on the ice and training camp and thinking, this can't be real. This is surreal. And then during the season, a couple of funny moments. I mean, like I'm backing up in Winnipeg. Roberto Luongo's in the net. We come in between periods. Yager's unhappy. Goes over to a Gatorade cooler full of ice water and just dunks his head straight in, rips it up, rawr, makes this big bear noise. Luongo and I look at each other. I go, man, does he do that regularly? He goes, I've never seen that in my life. Funniest moment to see a childhood hero, a two-time Stanley Cup winner at that point, one of the greatest to ever play the game. Just go for a big dunk in an ice water bath with his head in Winnipeg in the locker room, and he'd never done it before. The guy's one of a kind, Frank. Yeah, one of a kind is right. What a sense of humor. Take a look back. These are the things that were happening 34 years ago when Yarmir Yager made his pro debut back in 1988-89 playing in the Czech League. The top song then, so emotional by Whitney Houston, popular movies, Beetlejuice, Big and Bull, Durham, the Stanley Cup champs that year, the Edmonton Oilers, Big, what an underrated movie that was. Um, Tom Hanks, love that movie. But, um, you, you know, you look at it and you're like, how's this guy still going, still playing? Passion for the game is one. And I said this, Mike, at the beginning of the season, we talk about players under pressure. It's not guys in contract years. It's not Nazem Kadri or Johnny Gaudreau that are putting up big numbers. Talk about owning the team and the lifeblood of the franchise, knowing that you need to keep playing to keep it afloat. They're fighting off relegation every other year. That, and he knows that as soon as he steps away, all of the team's stop, top sponsors are going with him because he's such a big part of everything that they do there in the Czech Republic. By the way, Yarmer Yager celebrating his 50th birthday, Mike, on the face of the new $50 Czech Corona that was put out. You can take a picture, you know, take a look of it at it here. Uh, pretty wild to see a member of the Triple Gold Club and, and certainly just a unique, unique character in hockey history. An instant Hall of Famer that is just so far away from going into the Hall of Fame because he's still playing. Uh, they should just waive the requirement at some point and just get him in there. He's a national hero. He's a hockey hero. He's a world hero. He's a legend. He is the GOAT, Frank. 
Like, absolutely. The GOAT. I hope he plays till he's 60. <laughs> well, I think we'd all like to see that. I don't know if he can quite keep up till he's 60. We'll see what he has to say about that. Let's get to some news and nuggets from around the league with another edition of Icebreakers. Frank, you've been burning up the phone lines, working it, getting the text flying. Time for icebreakers delivered by DoorDash. The internet's been on fire about rumors of Claude Giroux and the Colorado Avalanche. Is there another team or teams that we should be keeping our eye on in the sweepstakes to get the Flyers captain? Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche are certainly one, Mike, but I would keep an eye on the St. Louis Blues. They're a team that has been paying close attention to Claude Giroux and his season. What a fit he would be with the Blues. You talk about versatility, can play the wing, can play center. The Blues have found some success with those types of players over the year. And oh, by the way, there would be a comfort factor that exists with the St. Louis Blues. Him having played for Craig Berube in Philadelphia, played with Braden Shen, of course, so those are a couple guys that stand out as uh, as comfort factors and can vouch for Claude Giroux and his ability to take the St. Louis Blues and turn them back into uh, true contender status to come out of the Central and really give a team like the Colorado Avalanche, who, by the way, as we mentioned, are still are likely in pursuit of Claude Giroux. Uh, that would be fascinating to see both those two teams, at least for the Blues factor as well. If you don't get him, at least make sure that you bid up the price so that your division rival can't get him. So St. Louis Blues, a team to watch when it comes to talking about Claude Giroux as we get closer to the deadline. Well, Giroux would come with a sizable cap hit, big one. And if the Avs are really interested, they're going to have to make some plays to fit him under the cap. So what would the Avs be willing to move in a deal? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of teams have been curious. What types of pieces do the Avs have to move? Just quickly, uh, Alex Newhook doesn't appear to be going anywhere. Same thing with Tyson Jost, the young player that a lot of teams believe is available from Colorado. First round pick in 2020, that would be Justin Barron, the defenseman who's been about a half a point per game player in the American Hockey League, along with their 2023 first round pick. Remember, Colorado doesn't have their first round pick this year. They traded it to Arizona in exchange for Darcy Kemper. So 2023 first round pick and Justin Barron, those are the two pieces that Colorado likely will be dangling before the deadline in order to make their team better. We talked about Jack Eichel already in the show about making his return to the NHL, playing with the Vegas Old Knights against the Avalanche uh, this evening on national tomorrow night on national television. Uh, there's already been a little bit of blowback around the league regarding Mark Stone going to LTIR. Is that really a permanent solution for the Vegas Golden Knights salary cap problem? I mean, Stone's going to be on LTIR potentially into mid-March, which doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room until the trade deadline. It doesn't, and it, it may be a permanent solution, but I don't think that the Golden Knights are necessarily content on that being the exact answer that or path that they choose. At least for the very, mo very moment, it gives the Vegas Golden Knights a month, 10, day, 10 games or 24 days. That's the minimum requirement for Mark Stone to be on LTIR, uh, can be retroactive to the injury that he sustained last week. So it could be as soon as they wanted to, essentially three weeks or so, give it give or take um but in this case 
it's it, the Golden Knights aren't looking at it as a permanent solution because they continue to engage in conversation with other teams around the NHL about the potential of moving some cap space, moving some players in order to make it happen if indeed Mark Stone is healthy enough to come back. So Evgeny Dadunov is a name that's been circle, circulated to a lot of teams around the NHL. Uh, at this point, there hasn't been a whole lot of interest. Next on the list, and this is just in order of priority that I believe the Golden Knights have in moving these players. Next would be Riley Smith, the pending unrestricted free agent. I think he would be a nice fallback option for the New York Rangers who are looking for a scoring winger. Uh, Smith, of course, has that history and has played some of his best hockey in his career under Gerard Gallant. Uh, they're looking at the Rangers, some other players, including JT Miller, which we've talked about. I wonder if the Rangers would be interested in a guy like Joe Pavelski, if the Dallas Stars are interested in moving him. But Riley Smith could be a fallback option, and depending if the price is right, might make a lot of sense. And then last would be Jonathan Marsh. So I think he's the guy that the Vegas Golden Knights would least like to move of the three, but certainly uh, would be generating some interest, I would think, given his consistent production and given his cost certainty that comes with the term that remains on his deal. So the Golden Knights continue to try. We'll see where it ends up. Maybe they just decide at the end of this, hey, Mark Stone's back is not getting better. We're going to keep him out until uh, early May, and that'll be the first time that he returns in the playoffs. But in the meantime, they continue to remain in conversation with other teams. A lot of decisions to make in Vegas. You might have to pay somebody to take Yevgeny Dodonov's contract on to get rid of that one. So let's flip it to Montreal. Ben Sherratt, somebody whose name's been commonly up in the trade talks, defenseman for the Canadians. He's expected to miss a week or so with injury. Saw last year, Defenseman David Savard. Tampa Bay Lightning had to cough up a first-rounder for him. Tyler Toffoli just got a first-rounder and then some for from the Cal, uh, Calgary Flames. So what kind of package are the Canadians looking for in return for Ben Sherratt? It's You actually hit it right on the head. It's the David Savard package that the Tampa Bay Lightning paid to get him to, to win their Stanley Cup. Uh, you're looking at a first-round pick and a third-round pick. That's the sort of baseline price that the Montreal Canadiens have in their mind at the moment when it comes to Ben Sherrod. I think the team that steps up to get them that package is where he'll end up going. And um, I think that injury over the weekend certainly put a scare into the Montreal Canadiens. We talked about this with our and Basu yesterday on the All-32. And, you know, I asked the question, has Ben Schrott played his last game as a Canadian? I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. At some point, he's going to need to get back and playing. They're thinking he's out about a week. But uh, in the meantime, I think just another lesson as teams, you certainly may see it as we get closer to the deadline. Asset protection. Those are two words we're going to be hearing a lot. Potentially players sitting out. You do not want to take that risk when you have a high-priced or high-valued asset that your team's counting on moving. Whole lot of pieces, whole lot of things, whole lot of things to think about for these clubs moving forward here, Frank. And I think that this trade deadline could end up being pretty wacky. And it could happen earlier than we ever expected. Nice job on icebreakers, delivered by DoorDash. Look below us here, Frank. DFODD or DFODDUS. That's going to get people twenty five percent off on their first order and free deliveries. Thanks to DoorDash. Great job, Frank.
All right, Mike, it's time for our Daily Faceoff Show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. And I think you just touched on it briefly at the end of Icebreakers there. Everyone wants to know, will the Tyler Toffoli trade spark the trade market? I don't necessarily believe so. I think that there's a lot of teams that would prefer to wait until closer to the March 21st deadline to accrue some more cap space. What say you? It's, I think a lot of teams that think that they're still in it, especially in the Pacific and in the West, are probably going to drive this more so than in the East because it's so clear cut the teams that are buyers and sellers out there. So I, I really think that when you're looking at teams like Dallas, especially with Pavelski and Klingberg potentially on the move, even a Braden Holtby, there's a lot of cards there. But Dallas is pretty close right now. You know, even San Jose, some of the other clubs that think, think they still be able to make a move. So I think it's going to run closer to the deadline as well. But I wouldn't be surprised in those teams in the East making moves a little bit earlier in advance if they can. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's uh, especially you got, if you have four or five weeks more runway to get that player comfortable before the deadline, just that much more time. It justifies a little bit of paying the acquisition price if you're a team that's trying to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that player potentially or should only help. So we'll see how that unfolds. It's time for our daily face-off daily bet segment. I picked a pretty good night to uh, ride on Tyler Uremchuk's coattails there as uh, I was looking to make up for some Super Bowl damages. Tyler, how did you do? Yeah, making up for Super Bowl damages was the goal yesterday, and it worked out. We nailed both our bets, Fiala and Toronto, on the puck line. They were both plus money as well, so it was a really good night. And I'm looking to play it a little bit safer here in this one off the jump. Not going with a plus money bet off the start, but as you can see, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet, the over in New York Buffalo set at five and a half, paying minus 105. This line's actually moved a little bit since I saw it earlier this morning. But for the Islanders, they've been known as a really good defensive team so far this season. The problem for them has been goal scoring. But as of late, they've actually been allowing a decent amount of goals, at least three goals against in four straight games for them. So far on this road trip, the over is hit in two of their three games. Buffalo has seen the over hit in three in a row as well. They're getting some good production from guys like Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck. I think this one can go over five and a half goals. I like the payout, minus 105, so I'm taking the over there. And for my second play, I am going with a bit of a plus money one and taking a bit of a shot here, hoping to get on a bit of a hot streak. But Alec, or sorry, Andre Burakovsky in that Dallas-Colorado matchup, for him to pick up an assist, it's paying out plus 150. Colorado scored four on Dallas uh, just on Sunday. Dallas has allowed 14 goals against in their four games so far this month. For Burakovsky specifically, he's hit this mark in three of his, his last five games, and he hasn't been scoring a lot of goals. Anytime he's been getting on the score sheet as of late, it's been with an assist. 12 games without a goal for Burakovsky, but in that span, he's gotten seven assists. So it's a little risky here. The, the numbers aren't quite where I usually like them to bet on an assist prop, but that payout is so good, and I like the matchup for Colorado. I'm willing to take a shot here on Burakovsky to pick up an assist, playing it along with the Islanders and Sabres over. And those are my two plays as I look to make it four in a row, Frank. Burakovsky plus 150, pretty juicy for a guy that's had an assist three times in the last five games, as you said. Thank you to Tyler. Mike, that brings us to my favorite segment of the show, Garbage Time. And you think it's garbage that people and teams have been ragging on the Arizona Coyotes. Are you saying this as a former desert dog? Oh, no way, man. I don't have a whole lot of whole lot of love for the organization when I was there. It's just purely that it, I'm just kind of sick of people beating the dead horse here, man. Like, I get it. Arizona's going to play in a joke over the rink for the NHL. It's only going to be 5,000 people. It's not going to be very big. But you know what? That place might end up being rocking. 
And we've talked about different times where the NHL has gone to places like Sylvan Lake, these, these hockeyville games in small settings, how cool it can be. So, hey, let's start looking at this on the bright side here, folks. Maybe this is going to be a positive. Maybe players will end up really enjoying it. Maybe the fans will have a great experience there. I'm just kind of sick of people coming after it, Frank. I think it's time for us to look at this in a positive light and hope that it really does help the Coyotes eventually grow into that market and finally get their footing there that they deserve. I'm with you. Like I'm actually, you know, on the on the whole, um, supporting. Like, I, first off, I root for chaos, so this could be total chaos. Um, <laughs> and so I, I totally appreciate that part of it. One section of that arena that you're seeing there is supposed to be all bleachers, not seats. I just think that the environment could be cool for uh, this is on campus of a major university, a major party school in the U.S. Um, you know you have a chance for $20 tickets for students and dollar beers on Tuesday nights. It could be a decent environment for a team that's we know over the next three seasons is not going to be very good on the ice, uh, has a lot of room to grow. And, and you, you think about it and you're like, for the Coyotes, they might be able to bake in their next generation of fans, um, no pun intended, on campus to a you know a totally new environment a new a new sport for a lot of these fans that um you know who knows they could start something pretty wild here in terms of their next fan base as they continue to grow with the team hey i've been a coyotes fan for 25 years since i saw them on campus when i was a kid at arizona state that's how things like this get started and at the end of the day it's a unique story i guess mike what i keep coming back to a lot of the criticism is fair my issue is they still need a permanent home. So we can talk about this temporary solution all we want and whether or not it's going to work. If you don't put steel on the ground, you don't put shovels on the ground on a permanent home, none of this is going to matter because they ain't going to last there. That's true. Totally agree with you. It's just funny to watch teams throwing shade at them. Like San Jose Barracuda said, hey, our place looks like it's a little bigger. Well, I've, been, I've played in the arena against the Barracuda, man. It was friends and family. So they still have to prove what they can get in their own building as well before they start casting stones at Arizona. So it's just, it's coming at them from all sides, man. Let's be positive and hope this one actually works out for a change. Yeah. I mean, Hey, like I said, I root for chaos. So let's see what happens. That'll do it for today's daily face-off show. Uh, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the national hockey league. We'll be back right here tomorrow. Thanks to Mike. And we'll talk to you at 12 noon Eastern until then. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.